Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program based in East Timor that has a singular vision, which is to promote the health and well-being of veterans and veterans' families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast uh, with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants one-on-one and conduct podcast interviews to capture their story and their lessons learned and things that we can all learn from uh, as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journey and help others do the same. We're going to be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. Whether you're out and about or listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll learn a lot by listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back, guys. Michael Albrecht here again. Uh, another TA16 interview. Um, and joining me at the moment, I have uh, Matthew Wallace. So welcome to the podcast, Matt. Great. Thanks, Mick. And, um, you know, we um, are on the second last day of the program, so um, uh, using this an opportunity to sit down with folks and uh, and gather some stories. So, mate, uh, congratulations on almost finishing TA16. Thank you. Yeah, fairly big week, but yeah. um, you can sort of see the ends inside, so it's good. That's it. That's it. And um, just so people listening to this get a bit of a, a understanding of who you are, like um, in terms of what your military background entailed, just uh, spend a couple of minutes on that. If that's cool. No worries. Yeah. Um, so, oh gosh, military was. Um, but anyway, joined um, when I was in Melbourne, age of nineteen, through yep. Kapuka. Yep. Um, and then uh, part posted up to um, Townsville as a uh, Storm and Tech Gen, um, one sixty two recce squadron, so in aviation wanted to get into and um, then she wanted to get into the flying side so I needed to go and get you uh, year 12 so 88 went back to um, back to Melbourne back to school um, doing year 12 and then came back and um, applied for Duntroon so Duntroon sort of 89 90 um, and then pilots course from there and posted to five regiment on Blackhawks okay. May 92 and um, yeah so three years and a lot of counter terrorism work and um, up to um, Bougainville um, South Pacific um, Peacekeeping Conference um, and then um, instructor's course, ELO school, instructing down in Canberra a couple of years and then instructing on Blackhawks for um, I think about three or four years. So mm. In that time, so I got the opportunity to come over to um, to Timor and um, yeah, so I spent um, four months uh, doing work, helping out with the instructing side and also doing um, operations and so yeah, back and or instructing in yeah. five regiment as a stands officer there and then um, out of there and off to the um, um, Victoria Police Air Wing for police and ambulance work. So Cool. All um, right. Various jobs since then. And so when did you separate from defence? Uh, 2001. Oh, okay. So it's been a little while and you've been with the uh, rescue. Yeah, so yeah, police uh, and emergency services and currently with the Civil Aviation Safety Authority as mm. a senior stands officer on rotorcraft and all the good side of the house, all the project work, which is not so much fun. There you go. Well, it sounds like a pretty diverse career. It's a pretty uh, big change from your initial job as a soldier to what was what inspired that change. Oh, obviously it was just a um, you know that sort of driving passion. You sort of can't really explain. Um, but I was flying uh, when I was uh, seventeen, so I was riding my push bike down to the local flying school to learn how to fly. So. I had an aviation sort of, you know, mm. you know, real desire. That's like light aircraft, I think. Yeah, yeah light yeah, aircraft. Yeah. And then so w- when I joined the military, when I jo- started, I tried the Air Force and couldn't get in. Uh, but when I tried the Army, I found that the Army had this aviation section. So I was really interested in that. Mm. And um, so I didn't care what 
um, type of work I got into. So, you know, when I went through Kapuka, they had um, Storm and Tech Gen. So that was the only job available. So I was yep. very happy to take that. And that really gave me the lead in to, you know, go, okay, this, the Army's fantastic with giving you opportunities. So it was just a, this is a road you need to take. And I was like, fantastic. So yeah. year 12, Duntroon pilots course. Took about seven years, but yeah, got there in the end. But Tony, yes, fantastic. You must have been following some of the sort of incidents in Afghanistan with uh, close attention. Obviously, there was a few, few unfortunate incidents. A few, few uh, birds went down, and so forth. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the one of the risks. You know, it's sort of um, you sort of understand it. You, mm, you know, mm. so I, but I guess it'd be like a car crash. We all sort of know they happen, but. Um, not that we don't expect them to happen to us, but we certainly do our best to make sure that doesn't yeah. happen to us and, yep. you know, we focus on doing it well. So, you know, that's the thing we, you know, it's something in the back of your mind, but you always sort of keep focused on the job and absolutely as best you can. I mean, it was a dangerous environment with unpredictable weather conditions, um, you know, dust, obviously, probably a helicopter pilot's not there yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's in tricky situations, yeah. but again... You're trained to do the job, mm-hmm. and um, you know there's always risk associated with it. But you're trying to minimise that risk and mm. and keep the skill set up so you can actually do do your job. Yeah. Any near misses with yourself? Oh yeah, there's yeah. um, not so much. It wasn't um, the military environment it was very controlled. There's some, oh, some silly situations. I sort of got into in each team more, but um, it's more you get sort of mission focused, whereas you realise that. At the end of the day, whatever you're going to, um, you might make a difference, but the best you can do is bring that aircraft back with the people in it, you know, mm. and keep them safe. And so, yep. you know, sort of throughout my career, I sort of learned that lesson, especially going into emergency services. Yeah. Um, you know, if you lose the aircraft and the people on board, you're just such a huge impact on the industry. So um, pushing it right to the edge of its limits, which I've done in Blackhawks, um, I realise that's not, not the smartest thing to do until <laughs> sort of have a bit of a buffer there. So, yep, yep, yep. you know, was once it was a, um, a, a dust-off in um, East Timor and, you know, we're trying to push in, as it was at Kusi, we're trying to, it was right oh, yeah. on the board, we're trying to push in there and they, um, we didn't have the doctor on board, but, um, you know, we pushed so hard and ended up going this very small creek line and, and they said, oh, I can hear you, keep coming, keep coming, I just like... We, you know, we nearly got to the point of throwing the machine away, all I did, um, with the agreements of the crew. But we came out of that and, you know, and of course, like the next morning, just walked out of there, it was fine. So it's like... When you say throwing the aircraft away, meaning... Oh, as in, like, we got to zero visibility um, and we were stopped, like, above trees with no visibility and a very, very slow turn and sort of crawling out of the creek line going, you know, because... You sort of had it that, oh, you know, you, you, you're there to save somebody's lifetime thing. But, you know, throwing away, I think we probably had about six of us on board, you know, a multi-million dollar helicopter. And then, as it always is, you know, they walk them out the next morning and they're fine. Yeah. So, yep. so I learned over time with more experience to sort of understand where where's the limits and, you know, how do we bring this thing back safely? Because when you do it for a job, and I did that for five years on police and ambulance, like, you have to have that aircraft ready to go the next day. Yeah. You can't just be throwing machines away or people's lives. And so yep, yep. extremely important that you sort of get to the point and say, well, that's the best we can do inside of this this box and mm. we'll call it quits there and, you know, time to go home. Gotcha, so gotcha. I suppose, do that. I suppose there's been a few uh, difficult times to call off searches and stuff in your career, I imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's devastating, yeah. you know, because all you want to do is bring your services, you know, to that environment mm. or people getting washed out to sea and things like that. But again... You, you sometimes can push too hard to mm. the point that 
that um, you weren't going to make a difference to the circumstance and you all you could, were going to do yeah. is just add to yep. you know, the travesty of sort of what's going on. So um, you, you really got to sort of learn that. He said, you've got a certain skill set and certain resources and you mm. can bring that to the situation. Um, but then there's a time where you go, that, that's, I can't do any more in this case. So, gotcha. so, But as long as you are, you know, that your skill set and your aircraft and your environment and you've done everything you could, then you go, that's, you know, that's best. And, you know, you throwing the machine away and everybody else with it, mm. it's just got no purpose to it. So, Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> and I guess uh, you've been out for, you know, a couple of decades now. What has been your... <laughs> well, that's none of us are getting any younger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what's been in your involvement in the kind of the veteran community between then and now? Oh, look, it hasn't been a um, certainly you know kept in the conversation. Yep, yep. I sort of really focused on you know coming out. I really um, probably let it go a little bit, like in terms of you know the new focus became you know the world I sort of went into you know multi services. Um, but it's really starting to complete that circle now and starting to see, wow, there's, there's so much in the veteran space and mm. so much experience and so much people are doing that um, now I'm looking about, well, how do we, um, rather than sort of, you know, chop that arm off, so to speak, is how do you embed it in the lifestyle and what we're doing? And, yeah. and this, you know, I'd heard about this program with Timor Awakening and I was being speaking to Gary Stone for a sort of good sort of 12 months and he invited me on the program, so... Yeah, so it's really nice to understand. It's like, wow, you know, mm. you know the brotherhood and it's, yeah. you know, and all your mates and those sort of things. So, yeah, it's good to sort of, you know, reconnect. That, yeah, yeah. Were they the main things you were searching for that sort of brought you onto the program, like that connection, that brotherhood again? Oh, it was just getting to that phase where you sort of, um, especially in aviation, you know, military and, you know, um, Duntry and those sorts of things. So it's very, becomes very self-focused on, on trying to do X and even though you might have a good purpose behind it. Um, you know, flying becomes very self-centered. You know, I need to do this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm getting to that sort of, you know, I'm turning you know, 55, well, I'm 55 now. But um, you sort of look at saying, well, how do you contribute back to all of those yep. people and organisations that got you to where you got to? So the work I do now, as much as I don't like it, because it's in front of a computer and it's you know, it's standards work and it's you know, it's legislation and yep. it's supporting people and all the rest of it actually makes an impact and that's that sort of phase of life where you go and say, you know, I've really done so much that I wanted to do. I've been so grateful for the military and what they gave me yep. that I'd really like now to start, oh, how, you know, how can I help? What can I contribute back, you know, pay it forward? And, and that's what sort of drew me to the other uh, program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a perfectly awesome sort of uh, drive to want to do it and that always tends to be one of the underpinning reasons why... Uh, people want to come become involved not just for their own journey, their own healing, but how can I put this out? How can I, you know, face outwards and, and, and get that message out to the people who need it? Yeah, and I've had a good look around, um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, Catholic faith, faith and I sort of had a look around about the works they're doing and, and it's actually very well, it's not saying there's more that's not needed, but there's a lot of um, a lot of works they are doing and they are, um, you know, say reasonably well funded and they have the resources, you know, mm. you know it's homeless centres and you see that there's a lot of good resources in country. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's sort of, you know, the most devastation I've seen has been in East Timor and about, you know, like, you know, the poverty, the destruction, the, you know, and so it's always sort of sat in the back of my mind that would be a really interesting area to sort of contribute back to because, you know, closest neighbour, so to speak, and mm-hmm. um, always been interested in, like, what goes on over there but trying to find out who's doing it and how they're doing it and... Yeah. 
how to get involved and so it's just been a bit of a slow process but sort of in a bit you know sort of getting a bit more on the money now and understanding what's going on over there gotcha good have you been back since your time over there no i did manage to get on two trips um over there but both from an aviation yep. like you know yep. um uh, flying side of the house but um but you know i've known gary stone um for a while now we're in this conversation and um cola hearn yep. and yep. um yeah so i'm starting to understand okay these people are doing something i just want to find out what and how and now we're getting you know this good sort of debrief this morning about what they're up to over there and yeah like wow that's that's something worth getting out of bed for cool so, so it's um yeah it's good it certainly is that's gone and uh grown in strengths and gone from strength to strength really like it started off as just clearing a paddock with uh some machetes and now it's like a perfectly up and running university you know by local standards oh course, yeah. But, yeah and i certainly see for our you know i've got um you know an older son two two younger girls or 14 16 but um I really see that um, from from their perspective, to actually being able to contribute into something like I'd really like to do this, you know, you know, as a family, mm. um, that they can understand about how to contribute to society, rather than falling into that trap of you know, you know, education, university. What am I going to do? Yep, yep. What job am I going to do? Et cetera, et cetera. Now they can sort of do all that. But it'd be nice also they can be contributing members of you know society, so yep. to speak. So extremely talented and gifted and just go you know we got a lot to give and i think you know going into those sort of countries and sort of you know getting our youth involved will be a really important part of it mm, because a lot of youth have no idea you know this is a general comment about timor and what the history is yeah you know or you know regionally what's happening and that's not their fault it's just that it's not traditionally covered in education curriculum oh that's right and you also see you know like i look, I look at our girls as an example and um you know, they're very, very, you know, very, not so much gifted in terms of anybody else, but I say that gift of their education, where they're at in life and all the rest of it. But to, if I said to them, come on, we're clearing paddocks and we're doing this and we yeah. want to, you know, teach them English, they would just be all over it. That would be awesome. something they would get out of bed for. Awesome. And, um, yeah, so that's something in the back of my mind about how to integrate mm. family mm. and youth into the programs, you know, rather than sort of getting to my age and yeah, yeah. <laughs> running around it then. Gotcha, gotcha, and uh, well, that, that's cool vision because it's not just your own; it's also you're passing it on to your to your children as well. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, it has to be unless we educate the youth and give them something meaningful to do. Yeah, they will just, you know, they they will just drift, and um, and the harder I push them, the harder they respond, and you know, they're incredible, incredible trying, you know, like kids go away, and teach me anything, you know, they can ride, shoot, fly, you know, anything I teach them, they just pick it up really well. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I'd love to get them over there. Nice one, nice one. And uh, it, sound, it, like, it sounds like from your story before that you transitioned quite smoothly and and and, and quickly, like you went from the defence aviation world to the civil aviation world. Um, what sort of challenges, personal challenges, if any, did you um, sort of um, confront during those years, during that transitional years? Oh, probably is um, similar, you know, was um, for the Australian Army was the first time they sort of got into an operational arena. You know, I know there was, you know, there was Cambodian pockets of Somalia. Yeah, but some um, yeah. Going into an environment where we did a lot of, you know, supporting country because I think it was about six weeks after the first wave. So the first wave did a lot more sort of tactical side. Yep. But when I went into the, um, you know, police, you know, police SAR and ambulance, it was just that trauma destruction. It was, um, you know, I went from doing, I think, two operational tours, you know, in the military to every day going out on operations. You know, there was, you know, uh, the police work, you know, the, um, 
yeah, so many jobs that I would just go to that are full operational job, you know, most days. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so you, there wasn't – there was training off to the side, but yep. um, you went to – especially, you know, Melbourne – you know, operating, you know, supporting, like most of the trauma cases come back to the Alfred Hospital, that when the bell went, it wasn't because, you know, someone broke a finger. It was just yeah. nasty, nasty trauma. And seeing, you know, mid-air, you know, I'd sort of been to mid-air down in Moorabbin and, um, yeah, just that um, that impact, you know, that side of life that a lot of us don't see, which I hadn't seen, and a lot of... Trauma, destruction, upset, and just devastation to families. And I was like, wow, I just, you know, and so I got a really healthy um, respect and um, for the mental services, mm. people who do that. Day and then, day you know, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, something they do every day. And I get to see it sort of a little bit from the sidelines being a pilot, like they'd land at the scene and then help out. Yep. But, you know, those that were responsible for, for those things, mm. like, oh my goodness, it was much, much higher tempo than I've been used to in the military. That really resonates with uh, something a mate of mine who got out of, I mean, became a police officer. Said, you know, he goes, they call us general duties, but really it should be first responders <laughs> because he goes, you know, like in the military, like he was in Afghanistan with me. Sure, you, like we went outside the wire, if you will, you know, certainly not the sharp end of the spear, but maybe a handful of times, you know, supporting commandos or whoever it was at the time. But it was like it was the exception, not the mean. You know, he goes, but as a police officer, I'm out there every day and night at the front line. You know, never knowing what's going to happen, getting into fights, stopping fights, whatever. Like, um, and so it's, it's yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Is that? Oh yeah, and I um yeah, it's like the little examples. Like you go to the range, you shoot, you know, you load up again, put you know, you know, put the um, pistol at those points, you know, back on, and then walk out in the two, you know, two room fully <laughs> loaded up. It's like well, this is really weird. Yeah, you know, you sort of go, I don't even know why they do range clearances, given the fact you know, yeah, you go back to load, but um. Yeah, and that was at, at the time was the whole underbelly um, series going on in Melbourne. Yeah, yep. so you know, called out to you know, like instant. I like, know I got a double murder here, and you know, you sort of um, you're responding to these things, and you and you you know watching the news or people swept out to see or you know so, you know so, you know a lot of suicide, missing people, and just all the time is job after job after job type thing. So it's um. Yeah, my wife's a critical care paramedic and um, and she was in Melbourne at the time as well. I mean, watching that series, The Underbelly, yeah. and um, it's like she goes, oh, I went to that job and I went, I went to that job. <laughs> oh, she, she did more than I did, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're tracing the offenders and she was trying to repair the, da- the damage. So, it's, mm. um, yeah, it's quite an interesting time. I honestly think that emergency services deserve, um, yeah, I, I know that you will see often emergency service type people out on Anzac days and things like that, but I, I think they deserve their own day. Oh, because they're out there all the time. Yeah, you know, and and in some ways I felt extremely guilty doing this um, program for myself when I've sort of got my wife done 30, done this for thirty years, and I'm just like, oh gosh, you know, she could really do with this process in Timor waiting because it was yeah. just you know yeah. such a, a great reflective mm-hmm. slow down, you know, analytical, you know, um, so. Great program that I thought, wow, this, this could be really, you know, that, that co- the concept that it has could really expand it into other areas, into okay. you know, other in departments as such. Perfect. And that sort of hits right on what I was going to sort of go down next was like for you personally, what, and there may have been a few things, but what, what specifically has been your team or awakening? Um, oh, was, I was getting caught up in self again. Um, it was sort of like, um, 
the hard thing is that I finished up my sort of chief pile of an organisation in um, Western Australia. Mm. I finished up there at the end of um, 2018. Um, and then I've sort of gone to, uh, like, as a chief pilot, you know, there's a lot of responsibility, a lot of years sort of in the thick of it, to step back and actually do, um, you know, standards work, project work, um, and, you know, you know, be the dad, be at home. It's all, it's all a great concept. But that sort of loss of, like, what, you know, what am I going to do? Mm. And sort of, and if you talk about the average person saying, hey, we finish up at 60, and you're sort of doing, you know, it's like the marathon, say, <laughs> 20 you know 20 to 60 something you go well you know we're on the last five k's and you know what do I want to do here and um, that was a real question I had and I felt myself starting to think about things like you know I used to have a, an aeroplane business I think well should I get an aeroplane and do this for much more discussed my wife and you know things like that where you start to say wow my, my focus is just wavering I'm just just don't know where I want to go from here mm, mm. and that's what I sort of had to really bring into you know the program is like what am I um you know to make meaningful and with purpose not just I'm just doing something for the sake of doing something and um yeah so that that's what I really brought into the program we're, we're trying to get some clarity like to stop the noise of the world yep you yep. focus in on even though it's in on self, but just trying to you know slow down and, and just yeah. get some clarity before I can sort of move forward again. So it's from a place of clarity as opposed to yes. I'm in it all the time. Yes, and, and that I'm chasing my tail, or I need this, or yeah. I want that. You know, yeah. so I see a rabbit and I go off down there. But um, yeah. no, I was really trying to, you know, like what is what is you know how to, how to you know bring not so much you know meaning, purpose, happiness, all those things, mm. but it is all those things combined. It's like. What what is worthwhile getting out of bed for? Yep, you know because um, my dad's just gone through ninety one. Like, oh my goodness, that's so many years to go, <laughs> and he's still, you know, he's still, you know, reasonably fit and healthy. Yeah, so yeah. it's um, yeah, had a transition to to that phase where you go, this is now, you know, contribution back. Oh, so. it sounds like you got plenty. Uh, if your dad's uh, track records anything to go by, you got plenty of years of giving back to. Yeah, obviously, yeah, it's, it's, um, <laughs> that's right. You, like you never know, and I, yeah. and I don't mind that. But I certainly yeah. do know that with you know the health that I have and those things would be really nice to, especially um, and also you know bring bring the girls up and really get mm. them into mm. you know he, you know pass it on so to speak. Love that. Love it. And I guess just sort of lastly, w- what specifically um, within the program has enabled you to get that? You said like focusing on. Uh, having a purpose uh, was there something specifically that um, created that for you or instigated a degree of self-reflection what, what was it I've, I've had to think about that and I really do have the answer and the answer is like the start at Saturday yeah. and then the finish at Sunday <laughs> so it's um, no it's it's sort of like um, if you say you know how do you get good at yeah. basketball or how do you good at something it's, it's just the package itself mm. because um, what it what it did is, first of all, we, you know, brought the environment of mateship. Yep, um, yep. And it was, it was such, you know, we did a lot of work, you know, really, um, it, it, it's very subtle, but it is a constant, you know, over, you know, it's like it started you know, on the Saturday and we, we're still going until Sunday. It's a constant time of looking and addressing yourself mm-hmm. and how you are. So it's actually, a, it's a lot of work to be done. Now in that there's, you know, there's PT, there's, you know, how to eat healthy and there's all these sort of things. But all of that combined, like you couldn't take one part of it out and yeah. say, oh that, that, oh, that was the moment of clarity. There's sort of certainly some um, – there was one of the good presentations and um, 
it's one of those TED talks where, and what she was talking about is that she was really good at. She worked with the um, the Pentagon, mm. fantastic at doing that. But what her passion was was to actually be a, a personal soul, a life coach, mm-hmm. and she really started separating out um, this this bit about the identity about I am really great at the Pentagon compared to oh, what I want to do is mm-hmm. you know go and be a life coach, mm-hmm. and she's had to sort of distinguish that, and, and that really helped me when I was trying to look for you know because. I keep getting that sort of the bungee cord back into being a pilot. There's a lot of, oh, you're a pilot, you know, a black hawk pilot or, you know, a police pilot or whatever, and there's a bit of sort of stigma and identity associated with that. Yeah. And to cut that totally and go, oh, no, actually what I'm really passionate about is, you know, is serving and helping out people who actually really do need something. Yep. And as soon as you see into each team and you say they're trying to get some schools and education or they don't have defibrillators or they, you know, they don't have any of the emergency services we have in Australia, mm. to me it's like oh, I wouldn't even care about flying. I would, that's more more of a, you know, sort of, um, you know, that's sort of more what would draw me to do something than it would be chasing my tail trying to still be that, you know, that sort of emergency services pilot. Gotcha. It's all about not being too married to an identity. That's right, yep. yeah. Yep. And not have it that you make decisions because of that identity. Mm. And that, that's a real tricky one. Mm. You've got to sort of get outside yourself to see yourself making yep. those decisions. And that's what this week enables. And, these, you know, it shows, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot there on um, serving other people or looking at self or breaking that down. And, yep. you know, it's just that, that constant, because, it's you know, it's a good sort of time period. It's not just, oh, we're just doing a day course and then we're sort of back into it. Mm. it gives you that time to sort of get that clarity associated with those sort of questions. Well, it sounds like you've had uh, gotten a lot out of it, mate. So thank you so much for uh, your time. Anything else you want to share before we consider wrapping up? No, it's just a, it's a, look. Uh, you know, for anybody, yeah. you know, I really would really encourage them to come and do the come and do this work. It's a um, I don't you know like for you know I really know it's being tailored for veterans, and I yep. think that's really important. You've got to be a start point, mm. but you really see you know I see you know even as part of the educational continuum, talk about you know going in if you could embed this rather than trying to use this as a mechanism to fix something that's broken because of a process that if the process embedded it mm. like start you know in the middle of and at the end of this would actually be a great sort of way to sort of look some of these concepts you know through through a military career rather than sort of you know sort of trashing yourself for 20 or 30 years and then trying to fix it at the other end two day two day transition workshop. oh that's right yeah oh absolutely yeah, you yeah. know i see for our girls if they can embed this thing to keep this conversation up, that no matter what environment, so leading you into an environment, keep keeping it up through the environment, coming out the other side, you you haven't got that far off track, and you can do that. So these this is great, and the start point has to be where it is. Yep. But then the continuing as well. Why wait until you know we've we've had this devastation, which you get sometimes in the military because yep. it's so demanding. Mm. Want to look at how to incorporate these concepts, you know, through that continuum there of career. Love it. Great insights, mate. Thanks so much for uh, for sharing. Great, thanks. Cheers, thanks. That, Matt. Thanks for the time. Cheers, mate. You're most welcome. All Thank you for listening to our podcast. We trust it's been valuable. If you've got any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you feel really needs to hear it and keep a lookout for our next episode. Thank you.